Well, uh, feel free to stick around uh, after church uh, and keep, keep chatting. Uh, hopefully, if you've been around here for a few weeks, you'll know we're kind of big on family. We're big on community. Um, and uh, we would love to invite you to keep chatting away after the service. And of course, just a reminder, like if, if you want to get to know people better, um, two things you can do, which are really great. Uh, one is join a community group. Um, go on the website, you'll see lots of different community groups that meet during the week. Really great place just to kind of hang out, be known, be prayed for, have fun, make friends. Um, but also obviously serving on a team. And uh, Carla is somewhere around. I'm not sure, I can't see her, but... Um, she coordinates a lot of our teams and uh, there's always space to volunteer on a Sunday or during the week. There's Carla at the back. So uh, don't, don't hesitate to go and find her after the service if you'd like to kind of find a place to join in and get to know people um, by, by serving with them. So I wonder um, if you have ever been in a really serious storm. Uh, I grew up in Hong Kong. And uh, in Hong Kong, about once every year, we would get a big typhoon that would come through the territory. They'd come uh, from the South China Sea. They'd come through Hong Kong or very close to Hong Kong, making landfall, and then they'd go into southern China. Um, and they were pretty serious. Like, they were not kind of like, let's all kind of uh, put our coats on. It's a windy day. They were like, stay inside. It's going to be kind of dangerous. Um, and I lived on the 19th floor of an apartment block, which overlooked the sea. Um, and when I first moved there, it was pretty scary because you could see the typhoon arriving because they would come in over the sea, you see them in the distance, and then they would just come straight through um, winds 50, 60, 70, 80, over 100 miles an hour. And of course, when you're like the first time you've seen a typhoon, your instant inclination is do not be on the 19th floor of a tower block. That doesn't sound like a good idea because sure enough, as the typhoon hits, actually the whole building like starts to sway. If you've ever been in a tower block in a, in a, in a typhoon, um, if you go into your bathroom, you can see the water in the toilet start to like go like this. It's pretty scary and it feels like you should run. But all the advice is do not leave your building. Don't go outside. Generally speaking, the people who are hurt in typhoons and hurricanes and things like that are people who are outside, people who are hit by mudslides and falling debris and things like that. In fact, the very best place that you can be in a typhoon is inside a very, very strong concrete um, building. And over time, as the years went past, we realized like this is what you need to do. You have to have faith. You have to trust the advice. You have to trust the building. And sure enough, we found out over the years that typhoons are great because you get a day off school and you get to watch TV. And that's all that I really remember about them. It's really good. You have to have faith. You have to have faith in what you're told. Well, today we're going to think a bit about the concept of faith. We're in Matthew's Gospel. We're going through this passage, uh, this series about discipleship and how we can grow in our relationship with Jesus, uh, even in 2020. 14. And Matthew chapter 14 is this chapter which shows the absolute spectrum of what it was like for Jesus on earth. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 14, if you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn to it. Um, you see um, the beheading of John the Baptist, the guy who was supposed to come and proclaim the way of Jesus on earth, one of Jesus's great uh, friends, his cousin, beheaded in this strange and weird event to do with a party and some very uh, drunk people. It's very weird. Read it later. Uh, on the other hand, you're going to read it now, aren't you? No, read it later. Uh, Straight after it, you see the feeding of the 5,000, the very highs and the very lows of life on earth, even for Jesus. It's all going on. All of the kingdom moments of breakthrough and also sadness, grief, disappointment. And, you know, I started, as I said uh, a minute ago, I started writing my sermon on Monday, as I do um, amongst meetings. I start to jot it out. I start to pray. I start to say, hey, God, what do you want to say? 
And the realization that I had on Monday was that wherever we would find ourselves today, that probably some of us would be full of joy, some of us would be full of sadness, that some of us would come with a sense of kind of relief and, and hope, others would come with anxiety and fear. And I'm not just talking about the election, I'm talking about all the things that we are facing uh, in 2020. But today I want to think with you about how our faith in Jesus helps us to navigate life's high moments and its joyful moments, but it also helps us to navigate the moments of anxiety um, and fear. How it's gonna help us over the next weeks, next months, next years to, to walk out that story of life and love with Jesus. So let's get our passage from this morning, which is uh, in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Good morning, Vintage. This week's scripture is Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Thank you, Olivia, for that. So, 5,000 people miraculously get fed. We talked about it a few weeks ago. The first thing Jesus does as that's happened is he sends the disciples off one way to go to the next location and Jesus goes to pray. I don't know if you've ever sailed through the night in a small boat. Um, if a person walked across the water towards you, I don't know how you'd feel. I think I would probably freak out. The disciples absolutely, completely freak out. They think it's a ghost. This is like some bad Halloween joke, like person walking on water towards the boat. But Jesus, it seems, is the person. And within the space of like literally like five words, the disciples go from like, we are completely freaked out. What on earth is going on here? Why is there somebody walking on the water? To Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, stepping out of the boat and walking on the water himself. Like what on earth is going on? Well, we're gonna see uh, this morning this kind of movements of how faith works in this context. We're gonna see faith, faith that moves us toward Jesus, faith that moves us out of our comfort zones, out of our boats, and faith that moves us toward God. So faith that moves us toward God, uh, and towards God and into the storms, sorry, as well. So um, this morning, I wonder, uh, who, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? Maybe you've heard of Jesus, maybe you've been coming to church a long time to get out of a boat and start walking on the water. But if you actually look at verse 27, you see these words, it is I, and the it is I that Jesus says is not like, hey, don't worry, it's me. The it is I that Jesus says is actually the words, I am. Take courage, I am. Now, 
That is a very profound revelation of who Jesus is. When Peter hears the words, I am, what he actually hears is not, I am Jesus. What he hears is the words, I am God. If you go back to the Old Testament, some of you will know, and you've seen the film Prince of Egypt, long time ago. You have to be of a certain age to get back to that film, right? Story of Moses, right? Moses was this Israelite guy, grows up in the courts of Pharaoh and has this kind of like very amazing life, but living around the Israelites who are in captivity and slavery. And one day he sees the Israelite man being very badly treated and by an Egyptian. And so he kills the Egyptian, realizes his life's in danger, runs out of the wilderness. Everything's kind of going wrong for him. He thinks his life's in big, big danger. He thinks his kind of life's over and he goes out and he just spends time in the wilderness. But one day, like Moses, when he's out in the wilderness, sees this bush that's burning. And it's not like, you know, like bobcat fire, burning bush, oh no, that kind of thing that we've all experienced this year. This bush doesn't burn up. This bush is on fire. And, he got, and Moses realizes that he is in the presence of God. He's one of the only people on earth, like pre-Jesus, to actually encounter God himself. And he falls to his knees and God says to Moses, hey Moses, I want you to lead my people out of slavery and captivity. And Moses goes like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's like, there's no way. You, do, you, do you actually know who I am? Do you know my brokenness? Do you know my failures? Do you know how bad I am at speaking? Um, I can't do that. And anyway, God, if you want me to lead my people out of Is- your people out of Israel, like who would I even say has sent me? And God says his name. This is the first time where God says his name. He says, I am who I am. I am who I am. Now that sounds on first instance also like a slightly strange thing to say. If you go up to someone and you go like, what's your name, dude? And they go, I am who I am. Doesn't like immediately translate really well, does it? But the name Yahweh is basically the way that God speaks in human language, which is to say, I am indescribable. I'm over all things. I'm infinitely powerful. I am infinitely large. I have infinite control over all situations and all times and all places. I am indescribable. God says, my name is I am. And when Moses realizes who God is, he suddenly goes, oh, okay, right. Well, if that is who is sending me to Pharaoh, maybe it will be okay. And when Peter, in the same way, hears the words of Jesus, what he hears is morning. Maybe you came to church this morning and you just felt like this. I just, I just need hope. Maybe Jesus would say to you this morning, I am hope for you. Maybe you felt like this, like who could possibly be smart enough to figure out all that we're facing in the world right now and COVID and everything else. Like who could be possibly brave enough and smart enough to figure this out? And God would say to you this morning, I am am. What works? I am. What lasts? I am. I need a fresh start. I am. Nothing is real in my life anymore. I am. I'm not even sure if there's anybody left on my team. I am. My marriage is sinking. I am. I've always hoped for a marriage in the future. I am. I can't hold on anymore. I am. I'm pouring into others, but is anybody pouring into me? I am. I'm not even sure why I'm here this morning. I am. I need somebody to hold me. I am. Jesus says, I am the first. I am the last. I am the beginning 
and I am the end. This is the revelation of who God is. Jesus is your friend, he is your confidant, he is right there, but he is also the very one who flung the stars into space. If you want to have faith, actually we have to have faith in a very big and powerful God. You know, I don't know how you feel about Jesus this morning. Maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus before. Maybe you've just known about him from afar. I wanna encourage you, in fact, I wanna invite you if you have never given your life to Jesus, if you've never put your life in his hands, I wanna encourage you this morning. There's nothing better than you can do in 2020 than trust and hope in the one who flung the stars into space and who died on a cross for you. And at the end of the sermon this morning, I'm gonna pray a prayer and invite you if you wanna become a Christian for the first time, then you can pray that prayer along with me. If you want to have great faith, you actually have to start by believing in a great God, in a great Jesus. So number two, faith means stepping out into the world, out of your boats and into the world. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but like over the years that have kind of passed, and particularly where I come from in Europe, there has been this real move towards faith becoming personal and private. Like you can believe whatever you want to believe, but just don't tell me about it. Like, please don't talk about it because it's embarrassing. Faith becomes the space of what we do on our own in the personal times. Well, actually, what we read about today is that when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter his power, when we encounter his full reality in our lives, actually faith no longer can be fully private because actually it causes us to want to do something with the things that we've encountered. Older kids do it, uh, mums and dads do it. Um, It's called skydiving Uh, and genuinely they do. Uh, People in Australia, they love to skydive. So I was like, man, if all these people skydive, I am gonna go skydiving. And uh, so sure enough, like, we booked on, went along to this, this place on the beach, super chilled out like surfer dudes who were kind of running it like, g'day mate, you wanna fall out of a plane? Like, yeah, okay, sure, why not? And uh, they put you in this massive great jumpsuit and then they put this harness on you and they give you this whole great you know, safety spiel, don't get out of the plane until we tell you mate, we'll pull the cord, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you find yourself kind of on a bus, you go along to the airport, you get in this tiny little plane, it's like a Cessna caravan if you know what that is, it's basically the size of, no, it's like half the size of an American car. And uh, you, you get in the plane and it takes off and it's really bumpy. And everybody who's about to like jump for the first time looks like they're about to die. And all the Australian instructors are basically just hanging out there. One of them's asleep in the corner of the plane because he's so chilled out. And uh, you get to 12,000 feet, you get over the beach. And uh, what happens is basically the side of the plane has like one of those industrial garage doors on it and it just like rolls up and there's no side on the plane anymore. And, uh, and the instructor goes, right, mate, you better get out then. And so you, uh, you, literally, you literally are invited to get out of the plane. Now, I don't know what safety advice you've ever listened to on a plane, but generally getting out of a plane when it's in the air is not a good idea. Um, but before you can even think too much about it, like the guy gives you a shove in the back and you are, you're falling. You are falling out of the side of the plane. Now, at that point, I had loads of beliefs. I had been taught how to roll, how to put my arms out. I'd been taught that I didn't need to do anything because the instructor was gonna pull the cord. I'd been through like the whole process. Um, I had some small degree of faith that it was gonna work, but it wasn't until the instructor pulled the cord until you get this sudden rush upwards and the, like this suit that you're wearing, it yanks you up very hard and suddenly there's this huge chute above your head and you slow right down. 
Like that's the moment that you realize the beliefs that you had, the faith that you were hoping in was actually a real thing. Often in our Christian faith, we can be very theoretical about faith, right? We read the Bible, we pray, we believe that God is real, that he can do good stuff. But do you notice in this encounter that Jesus' invitation to Peter is to come. It's an invitation to get out of the boat. It's an invitation to take the theory, the beliefs, and turn them into practice. You see, we're right really big here at Vintage about mission. We really believe that we're a people who are called to share our faith with others. But how easy is it to come to church and go, it is very important that the evangelists share their faith with other people. Like it's really easy to believe that we should care for the poor and the lost and the lonely and the least. It's easy to believe that. But it's also easy to leave that to the team or the committee or the ministry that does those kind of things. Jesus' invitation to Peter is to get out of the boat, out of the comfort zone, and to experience the reality of faith in his life. I wonder uh, what it would look like for you today to hear God's invitation to step out, to step out of the boat. I can move every negative thing in my life very, very far away from me. Like if I have enough faith, I would have no issues at all on earth. We think about Peter, we're like, dude, you had some faith. But if you had a load of faith, Peter, your feet would not even have got wet. You would have just like levitated gently across the water to Jesus for a nice cuddle. That's not how it works. Like it would be great, wouldn't it? As if believing in Jesus and having enough faith meant that we would never get sick, meant that our bank accounts would always be full. We go like, I have enough faith to see my bank account completely full of cash. Like I have enough faith that I'm gonna marry a beautiful person. I have enough faith, you know, that I'm never ever gonna get sick and no one else around me is gonna get sick. If you've been a Christian for a while, you'll know that that's not quite how faith works in the real world. Actually, faith does not mean avoiding storms. Faith means walking with Jesus through storms, right? Now, don't get me wrong, Jesus does intervene in our lives. I am so glad that Jesus did not answer the prayer that I prayed when I was about 16 years old that I really wanted to marry this beautiful girl in high school. I'm really glad that he did not with us in the storms, that he will walk alongside us in the pain, that he will walk alongside us in the grief, that he will walk alongside us when we laugh, when we cry, he will be right there, guiding, helping, giving us the faith that we need to carry on the journey. See, when Peter gets out of the boat, he fixes his eyes on Jesus. And as he fixes his eyes on Jesus, he finds that he is able to walk through the storm on the water. When he fixes his eyes on the water, he sinks. Jesus' invitation to you today is to know Jesus in all of the storms that you face in your life. There's been a particular Psalm which has been just the most helpful to me uh, in 2020. Um, I've read it before, but Psalm 23 verse four says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. I'll fear nothing, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and and your staff, they comfort me. Maybe today, what Jesus would love you to know is this. I am with you. God is with you. 
God is next to you. God is on alongside you. God is closer to you than you can imagine. When you feel like you're on your own, when you feel like you've got nowhere to go, when you feel like you are hopeless, God is with you. When you are laughing and you are joyful and you're on top of the world, God is with you. And his invitation to you is to have faith in who he is, but also to have faithfulness in how you live your life, to keep walking, to keep going, not to give up, not to turn away, not to take the easy option, not to run from the storms of your life, but to know that God is with you in the storms. So I wanna pray for us as I finish. I want to pray that we would know a Jesus who is infinitely powerful. I wanna pray that we would know a Jesus who commands the storms, a Jesus who will walk with us and protect us and provide for us. I wanna pray though that we'd also hear his voice calling us out calling us out of our comfort, calling us out into the places of faith and that we would have the faith to walk through all the storms.